The following program is a podcast1.com production. Glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. And when you're looking for deals, ClarkDeals.com is here to serve you every single day. Coming up in just 20 minutes, the insurance companies for your home and car run all those cutesy ads about how they're your buds. Well, there's something going on right now with the way insurers behave when you make a claim that is absolutely Clark-rageous. I'm going to fill you in, tell you what's up, what you need to know to protect yourself in just 20 minutes. And coming up in a half hour, there's some odd stuff going on in Washington that this time actually, truly, really affects you. There is a new law that allows for extreme spying on you, not by the government, not in order to prevent a terrorist attack, but to allow certain companies to spy on everything you do online and then build dossiers on you that they sell off to whoever they wish. I'm going to tell you what you need to know because there are easy ways for you to move forward in protecting your privacy even though the Congress is spitting on you. I want to talk right now about the problem of having a debt owed to the IRS. It's a pretty common call here at our show when somebody has a past due bill to the IRS. And if you have a past due bill and you can pay that bill within a year, the IRS pretty much leaves you alone. You can even propose your own payment plan. By the time they respond to you, even if they don't like the payment plan, if you get money paid back to them within a year, even if they tell you no, you would have already paid it back anyway. But what happens if you owe the IRS a debt and you can't pay it back in what they consider to be a reasonable period of time, which is typically a year or so? The IRS is once again hiring private debt collection agencies. So a private debt collector may contact you about the debt. Now that is in the midst of a very confusing time with all the hoodlums out there impersonating the IRS and stealing money from people who actually don't even owe money to the IRS. How are you going to know who and how to trust? Well, the IRS fully aware the problem with all the scamsters, has tried to come up with additional steps where you'll know that you're dealing with the actual real collection agency the IRS has authorized and not be in the midst of somebody trying to scam you. So the way it works, the IRS is only contracted with four collection agencies. They've even published the name of them on their website and where they're located and all that. Second, if the IRS ever turns you over to a private debt collection agency, you will receive a letter from the IRS that will specify that they've done so and who that collection agency is and how they will contact you. 
the private collection agency will first send you a letter about the debt you owe that will cross-validate the letter you've received from the IRS. And never, never, not ever, will you pay that private debt collector over the phone, giving them your checking account number, credit card number, anything like that, never. You will send in a check just like you would have if you were paying the IRS. So know this, with the IRS beginning using private debt collection agencies, there will be scammers that try to fool you and pretend that they are those private debt collection agencies, that you, in fact, do owe a debt even if you don't. Generally, somebody who owes a debt, the IRS knows it because you've gotten so many letters. And if somebody ever calls saying that they're trying to collect a debt for the IRS, and to your best knowledge, you don't owe anything, you do not want to engage in conversation with them at all. And anytime anybody says they're collecting a tax debt and you're supposed to pay right then and there over the phone or else you're going to jail or whatever, do not talk to that individual because the odds are 100% they're a scammer. Laura's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Laura. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You're getting collection letters. I am, and thank you for helping me with this. I sure. Are these it. IRS collection letters, or is this a different kind of thing? It is a collection agency. Um, I have not received a letter from the IRS. Um, it is from a collection agency um, saying that I owe $35,288.99 $35, in student loan debt. Don't forget the 99 cents. It's fair. I mean, yes. <laughs> Very important. So here's the deal. I think there's somebody else out there with my name. This is not the first time I have gotten collection calls and letters. This is the first time I've gotten a student loan letter. I myself used to have student loans. Um, I have paid them off. I have listened to you for years, and I have my letters from the student loan agencies saying that I have paid them off. Um, so I appreciate your help with that. But these aren't my loans. They're totally different types of loans, different balances, different rates of interest. Right. So let so, me first tell you how the I process works. <laughs> no, well, let me okay. tell you how it works first. So what these collectors do is they send a demand letter to anybody of same or similar name to the person they're looking for. So it could be somebody, you said maybe there's somebody with the same name. It could be somebody even with the name that's remotely similar to yours. And for this one $35,000 debt, who knows how many different people have received a demand letter. So what you do is there are a few things I want you to do. The first thing you do is you write them back, and I'm going to ask you to spend a couple of dollars, okay? Okay. When you write them back, I want you to send it by certified mail return receipt requested. On the back of the letter you have from them, it should tell you, or somewhere attached to the letter, it should tell you that you were given under the law 30 days to dispute the validity of a debt. It does. Absolutely. So what you do is, what I would do is make a copy of that collection letter, 
attach it in the letter you write to them, refer to the loan numbers or whatever thing that references back to why they've sent you this letter and say this is these are not your loans you don't know who owes these loans but they are not yours and as required under the law you have notified them in writing within 30 days that these are not your loans and you are now notifying them that if they put any negative marks on your credit that you will sue them for okay. doing so. And that sounds like fun. <laughs> well, but you and you have to be prepared to follow through and sue them because see these people can ruin your credit. Yes. Well the last time I got a letter we did have an attorney. We hired an attorney to write the letter back to them. And you don't again, need to spend totally the money for that. Debt. You don't need okay. to spend the money for that. Just go ahead and send them the letter making it very clear that you know your rights, this isn't you, and they better behave. Okay. And send that certified okay. mail. This is where you have to spend money. Certified mail return receipt requested. Perfect. And send and that off to them. So, then so, so, that's only step one. Step two is I want you to okay. monitor your credit reports to see if any of this stuff ends up on your credit files. Okay. And you may have heard me talk about using Credit Karma as a way to be able to track your Experian and TransUnion credit. Mm-hmm. It's free to use. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would set that up, and you're able to track. For Equifax, you can go. I'd wait like 60 days to see okay. if this shows up. And for Equifax, you can get your Equifax for free at annualcreditreport.com. You can actually get all three free there, but you've already got that covered with Credit Karma for the other two. Okay. Perfect. And if they ignore your letter and misbehave, let's say somebody calls you, I want you to use Uh the capability in your phone to record any call you get. I'll have to figure that out, but okay. (laughs) And you tell them that... Uh, you have already notified them by certified mail. This is not your debt. Oh, by the way, in the letter, I'm sorry, I forgot one other thing, that they are never to contact mm-hmm. you further. Okay. And then when they call, they're in violation, right? Because you will right. have notified them as required under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Okay. Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Okay. So... This is this is something that you just need to get in front of and assert yourself and assert your rights and document, and if they misbehave, you can kick them in the teeth and kick them hard. Jessica's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jessica. Hi there. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have a generous dad. I do, and he loves my kids very, very much. Um so he has given them each $1,000. There are two teenagers, which they were just as excited as could be to get $1,000. Well, then immediately when I took that money away from them because I said, well, he has given this to you, and it was made very clear that it's for investment um, and long-term investment, not, oh, I'm turning 16 in the year and I get to buy a car investment. Um, <laughs> 
he wants them to start saving for the future and start saving for when they're older. So it's hard for them to picture 50 years from now or, you know, some crazy number that just doesn't exist in their mind of being old. Um, So at first they were excited to have the money, and then they just kind of wrote it off because, you know, then they didn't have the money. I took it from them to put aside, and I want them to be a part of investing in us. I want them to, you know, have a say-so or at least have some sort of participation in what it gets invested in. And I really can't get them excited about it. They, you know, just wrote it off a little bit and pushed it to the side and, well, I'll tell you, the account that I like when you have a situation like this is something known as the Vanguard Star Fund, which mm-hmm. requires $1,000 to open. And it's a great tool to teach a teenager, even younger, about the core of how investing works. Mm-hmm. And you buy a, a Star Fund account for the kids you can set it up at Vanguard.com. Because they're minors, you have to actually mail in forms where if they were adults, you can establish it and fund it and do everything online in just two or three minutes. Right. It, with them being kids, you have to print out, the, you, you fill out the form online, print it out, and then mail it in with a $1,000 check for each of them. Okay. And so if you go to Vanguard.com, and put in the search box star fund you'll be able to print out what it is how it works and sit down with your kids the explanation is so clear and concise that they'll understand what the money's being invested in and why and with that account will they be able to log in and watch it with it ups and downs and see yes. how it changes over yeah or they can see the and- statement that'll come every month Okay. Okay. Either way. So well, yeah, you could do get you, them excited about this. Yeah, and and maybe they won't be excited, but what has been done for them is absolutely great. And even if they don't get it now, as they mature, they will get it. It's time for today's Clark Rageous moment. It is a scary story about State Farm Insurance using cell phone data to get somebody locked up for supposedly having arsoned her own house? You're not going to believe this. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a clark Regis moment. State Farm's not talking to the media about this now, but... There was a woman whose house burned down, and her name's Jacqueline, and she lives in Iowa. She was on a camping trip, and her house caught fire, and then State Farm decided she had arsoned her own house. They subpoenaed cell phone records and then used um, uh, tech experts to try to pinpoint, based on cell tower locations, that she was at her home when the house caught on fire, not at the campsite, and it turned out they were wrong. They had her arrested. She spent her birthday in jail. Took three years to clear her name. And the worst part is the way calls ping cell phone towers 
any of us could end up having shadows of doubt cast on us about our behavior, our actions, and our locations if you use the technology State Farm did to have this woman arrested. And for this to be used in such a way by insurers, first of all, insurers automatically, when there's a claim, acting like you're going to pull one over on them is terrible. And that State Farm went so far as to get this woman arrested is outrageous. It is truly a Clark rage. I want you to remember that you should look at those lists of who are the best insurers and who are the worst when you have a claim, who's really with you and who's not, and make sure you're with somebody who puts you first and not as a suspect. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. You also can get free off-the-air advice from a member of our team. We do that 45 hours a week. You can see how to get free off-the-air advice from a member of our team at clark.com. You move down the, the main page and you'll see how to get your questions answered. Again, that is a free service of our show for nearly the last 25 years. I want to step back one second to just moments ago during the Clark Rageous moment. I ran out of time, and there was something I wanted to say. If you didn't hear that segment, something about how a woman was arrested, accused for arsoning her own house, and it was a state farm claimant, who State Farm made a mistake, and the woman ended up being arrested and accused of arsoning her own house, took three years to clear her name, a real mess. And State Farm is not talking to the media. So it's so one-sided what I presented. I want to offer State Farm a chance to go on the air and explain their side. And maybe they have a different explanation But from everything I've seen, wow. I want to talk right now about the move in the Congress that passed in a squeaker by one vote in the U.S. Senate, small margin in the House, a piece of preference legislation for the people who provide home and cell service to you, 
specifically AT&T and Verizon, were able to get a bill through the Congress that gives them unbelievable powers to spy on you, what you do on your phone if you're an AT&T or Verizon customer, and what you do with a home internet connection. This would also apply to internet service providers from the cable companies where they will be able to record every single website you go to, every page you go to on a website, everything you do over the data connection on your cell phone or the internet connection for your home internet service, identify you by name, package you, sell your specific information off to whoever they wish. Now, why this was a big priority for the Congress beats me. But it was a terrible, terrible move and an awful invasion of your and my privacy. Now, my life is so dull, bring it on. You can, I'm an open book. You can see anything about me, know anything about me. I talk about everything about what goes on with my life. But a lot of people value personal privacy. And so we at Clark.com are putting together what I hope reads as a simple guide to how you go about protecting yourself. One thing to your advantage is that the big websites are all going to a privacy standard where AT&T and Verizon won't be able to spy on anything you're doing. Now, all the players involved, since there has been such a backlash from the public, now say, oh, we're not going to do any of these things. We're not going to spy on anybody. We're not going to do any of that. So my question is, why did you use your political capital and the contributions you give to people to get this through the Congress on such a rush basis? Congress can't seem to get anything done but somehow they were able to pass something to strip you and me of any privacy. But the technology they would use to spy on us can be defeated by other technology. And so I was starting to say websites are going to a privacy standard called HTTPS, which all you need to know is when you see a web address on your computer, like I'm looking at one right now, and it says https dot double you know the double dot was that colon slash slash that means that the internet service provider cannot spy on what i do then again i'm looking at another website right now that doesn't meet that standard and so on that one the prying eyes of the phone company or cable company would be able to spy but the good news is that the top sites in the world all use the security standard. In fact, Google put up a new post just a couple of hours ago showing that the top sites in the world, the most visited sites in the world, 100% of them now meet the standard. And so using, and those sites account for Imagine this with what there must be millions of websites, right? But a hundred of them account for 25% of all web traffic. And those are completely secure now 
from the, the spying eyes. In addition, as people want that privacy, you're going to see more and more sites that aren't the most visited sites in the world go to that level of security. And so you'll be protected from anybody looking at what you're doing. It shouldn't have to be like this. You shouldn't have to do this. You shouldn't have to worry about somebody you're paying money to every month for your cell service or your home internet service spying on you. And shame on them for feeling like this was so important for them to go spy. The other thing is there's something that's more techy, and this is how you really shut them down is you do your stuff through what's known as a VPN. A lot of people who work for big companies, you access your company's uh, stuff through a VPN, a virtual private network. And these are widely available. They range from very inexpensive to fairly costly. They range from extremely low quality to excellent. And so... We're popping up information for you on both of these areas at Clark.com so that you won't have to worry about what mischief the phone companies or the people you got home internet from may be up to. And again, the more we talk about this, the more light is brought to darkness, the more unlikely it is that people like AT&T and Verizon will think it's a good idea to spy on you and me. And they're going to work overtime trying to convince you they're not up to nefarious things. But once the this quiets down and the dust settles, that's when it's more likely to be you'll see a change in terms of service and they'll want to start doing the spying. In the meantime... I want you to have the tools necessary, if it's important to you, to protect your privacy. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jason. Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me on the show. I've listened to you for many years, and you saved me a ton of money. Well, I'm so glad about that. You're shopping for a loan right now. Speaking of money. I am. I am. I'm I'm looking for a mortgage lender, and... There's so many options out there. I have a credit union. I've got a big bank. I've got brokers, the online mortgage lenders. I don't know exactly which the best one to, would be for to go to. You know, I've been shopping them. I don't know exactly what to look at when I'm shopping them. You know, the so for me, for me, this is for purchasing a home or refining one. Purchasing. All right. I have a big bias. And it is a strong one. When you shop the market and you look at online lenders, you look at all the different sources available, when you're doing a refinance, you can go with whoever it is, wherever they're located, online, uh, you know, a bank, a credit union, whoever. You can go wherever and get a loan, mortgage broker, mortgage banker, you name it. Because with a refi, if they don't deliver what they promise, you just shrug your shoulders and you're done. But when you're buying a home, if the lender messes up, 
what are you going to do? I mean, you can lose the home because you didn't secure, you weren't able to secure the financing. So my bias is for you to look at a local lender when you're buying a home. It doesn't mean I'm right about that, though. <laughs> so not, nothing, because I know you talk about credit unions a lot. And... Yeah, I love credit unions for mortgages, and the irony is that 10 years ago, credit unions were irrelevant to mortgage lending, and today the credit unions have become the most important source for mortgage loans in the country. Great. And there are people who do just fine when you're buying a home, taking out a loan with an online lender. And so maybe I'm being too cautious encouraging you to use a local lender when you're buying a home, but I just feel that it's safer in that case to work with somebody local. Have you been looking at a particular online lender that's got you intrigued? Um, well, I hear ones that are advertised with your show, um, and with the different podcasts and stuff. You know, it's um, funny. I have oh, no I idea know. who advertises on the show. <laughs> Is there somebody you want to run by me? Uh, like Rocket Mortgage. Rocket the Mortgage Rocket has Mortgage a great, they have a great reputation. Right. Um, the reason they have such a great reputation is they looked at what everybody hates about dealing with the mortgage lending process, and they eliminated it. It's set up where it's a fully modern mortgage. You submit all your documentation electronically, and they don't ask you for the same documentation three, four, five times. Yeah. So what they really deserve props for is they've made the process of applying for a loan and documenting income and all the rest far less painful than it's traditionally been in the mortgage lending business. So they are a perfectly worthy company to get a mortgage loan with. But as far as doing a loan for the purchase of a home, I still say, Jason, and maybe I am being too cautious, that you want somebody local who you can look eye to eye with and hold them accountable to get the loan processed in time for your deal to happen. Nancy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Nancy. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I serve you, Nancy? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the years of work you've put into consumer advocacy. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. You're very welcome. Um, I have had trouble getting in touch with customer service, um, especially at some online large companies. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, Lord, you're laughing. <laughs> yeah, because, because they don't set up any format for you to talk with a human. Right. And it, it's been, know a, you know where it's been a real problem? Let me tell you where it's been a real problem, is that uh-huh. whenever there's been an issue where maybe somebody has assumed your identity with an email mm. service or with social media or with, um, uh, you know, an e-commerce site or whatever, and mm-hmm. that's a time where you need to talk with somebody immediately 
Absolutely. And there's no outlet offered for you to talk with a human at any of the high-volume websites. Right. And that's exactly my issue. One has been a social media site, and one has been an e-commerce site that I've had specific trouble with in the past 30 days. So what you do is you fill out one of those email forms and nobody contacts you back or just a robotic response comes? Uh, One, I've gotten a robotic response. You know, thank you for contacting us. Your feedback is important. And the other, I got no response from. Okay, so with an e-commerce site or social media or whatever, if you have a problem that is significant, that is not just an opinion thing, something's really wrong and you need Mm -hmm. it fixed, like somebody's masquerading as you or somebody's running off with your money at an e-commerce site or anything like that, and you don't get any response, there's something that I've found that works, not all the time, but quite often, and that is to go to BBB.org, the Better Business Bureau Central Clearing Site, and file a complaint there against the organization. Okay. And that's right, right now, neither of these problems is quite that big. One is a technical question. Yeah, I mean, there's so. really no outlet to reach out to other mm-hmm. than potentially other users of that website. That Well, that's true. And that's generally, with the sites, they they are not going to serve you when it's a, a low-grade issue, but other fellow users of that website or that service, they're the ones where the help is likely to be found and be more responsive than the website itself. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where our producer, Joel, poses questions to me that you have posted at Clark.com. Yeah, Clark, you wrote in. She says, what's the website to opt out of credit card company solicitation mailings? So credit card companies are sending far more solicitations than they have in forever, maybe the most ever. And so there's a website called optoutprescreen.com, optoutprescreen.com. You have to put in your social security number, but it will shut down about 90% of the pre-approves that would come to your home. And it's safe to put your social security number on that site. All right, and Helen writes in, how does it affect my credit score when I call lenders or credit card issuers to ask them if I can get a lower interest rate? So if they do a new credit app for you, let's say they you have a card with a bank, and you say you want a lower rate, and they say, well, we have this other card that we can give you a lower rate on. If you migrate to that other card, that would be a hard inquiry on your credit. On the other hand, with an existing line of credit, and you ask for a limit increase or a lower interest rate or anything like that, that will be what's known as a soft inquiry. That's a trade line for them. They already have access to your score at any time, and that will not affect your credit at all. But an application for new credit? Wow. And remember, we have a nice story at Clark.com about how to get a better deal on your credit cards. New story. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust. 
someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, go to Clark.com slash asking. You can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. There's a story I read yesterday that I assumed was a spoof. And then I had to go dig further. It's about people being implanted with a chip under the skin done right by the thumb. And it turns out it's not a spoof. I'm going to tell you why people would want a chip and what it does for you. That's coming up in just 30 minutes. So there's something I have said for as long as I've been on the air, which is 30 years now, and that is that the best opportunities for jobs and for career and advancement are always going to be with companies you've never heard of. That people have a tendency to go look for work with companies they know because they sell products to the consumer or companies that because of their size are just household names. But the reality is job growth overwhelmingly in America is with new companies and small businesses. They account for where the action is. You also learn a lot more, a lot quicker, working for a small business, a new business, a fast-growing business, where responsibilities and job duties are constantly changing than being in one of those lumbering, giant corporate bureaucracies. It's weird, though, with somebody who may have worked for a long time at a big bureaucratic company, that when they're no longer at that company, they're looking for a new job, a lot of the experience doesn't easily translate elsewhere because they've been in a unique corporate culture. And so much operates based on the psychology about how that corporate culture operates instead of actually making a product or service, providing a product or service, and you're involved in everything you do about delivering that to the end user like you are with a smaller, new, or fast-growing business. 
And the reality, when you're looking for work and you find a good opportunity and you tell people where they're working, you know generally you found the right one when people say, who are they? What's that? What do they do? Because that's where you're going to get the best career growth. And today, small businesses are struggling to be noticed. They're struggling to find workers. I saw an item in USA Today about how small businesses are having to steadily boost benefits and have any of a number of gimmicks to try to get people to look at them versus looking at some big behemoth. But I can tell you that as long as you have what you need as far as basic benefits at a place, you are going to be nurtured in what a job gives you so much more at a small company, a dynamic one, a fast-growing one, a new one, than you are at one of those lumbering giants. You know, it's weird about the big companies But I give the example of the dinosaur. The bigger a company gets, the smaller its brain gets. Because they lose focus on who they're trying to serve. Otherwise, why would there be something where you call and the person who answers the phone isn't given the authority to resolve the problem you're having? In a small business, the person you're talking to is going to resolve the problem. Or if they don't and can't, that small business goes extinct. So I encourage you, if you're stale in your job, you're dead-ended in your job, you're looking for a job, look for work with the people no one has ever heard of. I remember a woman telling me, that the best advice she ever got was from somebody who, and I wrote this in one of my books because it was such a good example. When she was asking for career advice, the guy she asked said the answer was industrial rags. And she was like, what? I don't even know what industrial rags are. But he said, you want to be working somewhere where there's a real need in the marketplace. There's nothing exciting about it. I'm sorry if you sell industrial rags and you think they're exciting. Joel, will you look up and see what an industrial rag is? I, I should know. Anyway, and, and so the real job growth and opportunity and income possibilities and personal growth are when you're doing something that people look at as low prestige – but is actually an area of great opportunity. Oh, so the images Joel pulled up look like things that you would use in some kind of manufacturing or whatever. They're just uh, like very inexpensive rags. And so think about it. If you're at a party and somebody asks, so what do you do? And you say, I sell industrial rags. They say, oh, uh uh-huh, bye. But if you said, oh, I work for fill-in-the-blank, Coca-Cola or, or 
you know, an airline or whatever, people are going to say, oh, really? Tell me all about what you do. What's it like working there? The reality is, no offense to Coca-Cola or an airline, but the real excitement and the real growth and the real opportunity are with the people that do things that don't seem exciting, don't sound exciting. And if money matters to you, know that most of the nation's millionaires made their money doing things that don't sound exciting, but they were serving a need in the marketplace that others didn't find neat or cool or whatever. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, John. You want to talk about earthquakes. I do, but let me thank you for... uh your radio show real quick. It's almost like you're a financial mentor that uh, most people don't ever get a chance to have, so I really appreciate you. Well, you're kind to say that. Thank you. Where do earthquakes fit into this? Yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. I live on the new Madrid Fault, and my earthquake insurance is $1,700 a year, which is more than the primary insurance of my own. And I was wanting to know how I could research what's the, the reality of my risk, and if you know if the average earthquake was you know $40,000 in damage, I'd almost be better off having... Forty thousand dollars in the bank, making five percent, that would more than cover my my rate. I just didn't know how to look at that. Okay, so with with something that's a specialty insurance product, you gauge it based on two things: one, your ability to afford a loss, and you just made it clear to me that you felt comfortable affording a loss, which would make you less likely to want to spend the outsized premium dollars for the earthquake insurance. And then the other is the level of risk where you live. And so we know there are certain corridors in the country that face huge risk for potentially catastrophic earthquakes. And almost all the areas that face the greatest risk are in California. And so I have strongly encouraged Californians to, even though the premiums hurt so much, to look at buying earthquake insurance. Very few people actually have it in California. And the prospect, the possibility, is so strong in certain areas of California. Where do you live in the country? I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, which, you know, more than 100 years ago, we had an earthquake bad enough to reverse the Mississippi River. But the uh, the the level of the cost of it makes me think that it's actually a, a significant risk or a, a sizable risk. For seventeen hundred dollars a year, that, that seems wow like money wasted. Wow, will be paid for in two years, and I've got enough. You know, I could have forty thousand dollars in reserves to to pay for any you know minor damage out of my pocket. But as far as how how to evaluate the risk, of right, so what loss, is the deductible on that policy? You know, it used to be twenty percent and excluded brick, but now it says it's ten percent with no exclusions. So what happened? What would happen if you called your insurer? Because the what you want to insure, because you're not worried about what for a lot of people would be a catastrophic amount of money for you, it's not. So it'd be great to call your insurer and find out what they would charge you for a policy if you did have a significant deductible, a very large deductible. And it doesn't seem like it changes my policy very much at all. I've looked at my, my primary homeowner's insurance and raising the deductible of $10,000 to 
barely changes the fifty dollars a year. Yeah, but you're talking about for your primary homeowners coverage, right? So I'm saying for the earthquake insurance, it may be a whole different standard. Okay. And so there may be a real advantage to raising the deductible. And I have you're teaching me something because I've never had anyone ever mention to me that there was a big problem with potential earthquakes in West Tennessee. It's never been. Uh, my producer, Joel, got married there, has a lot of family there. That's not anything anybody's ever mentioned to you, is it? I, I've never heard it from anybody there. My wife's from well, there. He, never heard anything about it. Does a dollar amount of insurance? I'm sorry? Does a dollar amount of insurance uh, not in and of itself imply a risk level? That that's more than the primary insurance on the home. Right, right. But that uh, it may be that it's a specialty product that they place through sure. third party, the risk through third party, and that may be what they're having. They may be passing on to you the cost through a third party plus their commissioner markup. So it okay. may not uh, be indicative of the level of risk. I had one other question for you about the credit freeze, if you have time. Sure. Let's switch topics. Go ahead. Uh, thank you. I, I uh, took your advice two years ago and froze um, my credit. It's been excellent advice. My wife uh, was met, wrapped up in that Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, credit uh, or the data breach. The data breach. And yeah. I was able, right? I was able to freeze two out of three of hers, and I, I couldn't freeze TransUnion because they they were difficult to. They denied the online attempt to freeze it, so I have two out of her three freeze frozen. Is that? Uh, is that sufficient, or do I need to go through the, the mailing process? And I think it's worth freeze? it, because the fact that TransUnion didn't verify her identity through the online process means that there may be something wrong on her TransUnion credit report that made them think that it wasn't a valid request for the right person. So at the very least... I would request a free copy of the TransUnion credit report at annualcreditreport.com. Go it through it. it there as well. Sorry? Yeah, they, they won't let me do any they won't let me do anything TransUnion. They won't let me Then, then absolutely me you need to go through the steps of writing them and sending them the documentation cuz something's not adding up on that TransUnion credit report for her. Okay. So that's a Great potential call. early warning signal that something has gone wrong with somebody else's information being commingled with her, hers, what's known as a married file, or maybe somebody has attempted to file uh, apply for credit as if they're her, and the application was only inquired against on a TransUnion credit report. So I would send in the documentation that TransUnion seeks. Lewis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You want to revisit something we talked about on the show, gosh, years ago. Yeah, I read an article on your website talking about an app that improved eyesight. Is this the glasses off app thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I think they had an iTunes version, an Apple version, but not an Android version. And, you know, this thing, there's so much... Uh, up and down about whether or not it works. The idea is that you pay for this app and then it trains your eyes to be able to work again without having to wear glasses. That's the promise of it. And I want to tell you on 
looking at the Android app, there are a huge number of ratings. Over 1,200 people have felt strongly enough about it. They've gone and posted ratings. And there are a huge number of five-star reviews and a huge number of one-star reviews, the most polarizing almost you'll ever see about an app. Yep, I noticed that. That's why I asked. And so when you look, the people who love it say, hey, this thing actually worked. And then others say, this is, you know, this is too much money. It didn't work for me, blah, blah, blah. So I can't tell you with any more conviction either way one of our producers wants to try it and i know this will be uh an anecdote like anybody else but we let her try it and we'll give her report on the air how about that i'll pay for it she'll go test it and i'll let you and she'll let you know if it worked for her or not because this is not a slam dunk obviously lewis when you see the division in people where how often do you see something where the two most common are five star and one star? Yeah, not unless we're talking politics. <laughs> Beautifully said. So we will we will give it a test, a one person test. Maybe if she loves it, maybe I'll do it too. I'm tired of being four eyes. You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist. Unicorns, dragons, mermaids, you name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at TrueCar, they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by TrueCar. It's an actual VIN-based price from a TrueCar certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. TrueCar certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact. True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the True Car certified dealers. And, on average, they save over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Hey everyone, I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on Trump. Politicians are all talk no action. I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth, his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration. So listen to this. Listen to this. That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One. Subscribe now at iTunes and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about empowerment with knowledge you can put to work in your life so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. If you like deals... 
you need to know ClarkDeals.com. We work really hard seven days a week to bring you the latest, greatest deals, not just a list of deals, but ones that we think are really worth your time so you can get the savings. And don't forget, if you miss something on our show, our podcast is there to serve you so you can get the latest information up to date and listen on your schedule. Now, I want to talk about the way people come up with the wackiest ideas that can potentially be there for us to improve our lives, affect our lives, or something we're like, that's never coming in my life. I want to just throw some examples out. Have you heard that there are people voluntarily getting implanted with a chip under their skin and they put it right by your thumb and the chip is put in and then you are an extension of any of a number of things. You could potentially pay for things with your chip. You could get into a secure work spot with your chip. And there are people who voluntarily are having the chip put in, and there are any of a number of conveniences that supposedly come with it. And I read a story in the Seattle Post-Intelligencer that these chips have become so popular that they're having to stage events where people can come to one place and just, like assembly line, one person after another gets a chip implanted in them. I am not having a chip implanted in me. And it's something that I got to give our producer Krista credit because years ago, I think freaked out by some sci-fi movie, she has always believed that a sinister government is going to try to control the movements of its citizens and what they're up to by implanting these chips in them. But these chips that are being implanted don't have any kind of evil, rotten purpose. I guess they could be used for that. But ain't no chip going in me. This one, though, I am ecstatic about. It's this year's X Prize that the inventors get nine million bucks for it. People have successfully invented a tricorder. If you were a fan of the original Star Trek TV show, in that show, the um, the Doctor, what was his name on that show? Was it Bones? I forget. What was his name? I should know. Look here, help me out, Joel. Wasn't it Scotty? Scotty? No, Scotty was the, uh, he was the chief engineer. Okay, Trekkies, I apologize that we are so lame that none of us know what we're talking about. And so far, we have no answer. Okay, so anyway, the doctor. Dr. Leonard McCoy? I don't know. I don't know. You, you keep looking. I, I can't believe we're failing on this. We should have been prepared before I threw that out. Anyway, so 
<laughs> our producer Kim is calling a friend who is a Trekkie who's going to get the answer. Anyway, so these this group of uh, finalists have developed their version of a tricorder that will actually allow you at home to be able to tell with precision what ails you. And this is crazy. But how neat that they've been able to do this. There are two finalists that are both working on this kind of thing, but one of them is just a bunch of bunch of uh, techies who got together and have been able to do this. They've applied for seven patents so far. And I saw an item in the Washington Post that they can test just with, uh, with the thing that just touches you. They'll be able to test your blood, glucose, hemoglobin, white blood cell count, and do all that without having to, to you know, prick you or whatever. And it's just one example of the things that they have developed. And so I was right that it was Bones, and you were right it was Dr. McCoy. So we weren't as lame as we thought. I actually remembered it without looking it up, Joel. But the things that are coming for diagnostics where you can precisely diagnose what's up with somebody, just great. Now, there's something that has been a beef of mine for years, speaking of people who end up needing medical services, and that's people who get hurt or worse riding a motorcycle. And most states now no longer require a helmet, and the reason helmet laws went out the window is people who ride motorcycles, they hate the feel of riding a helmet, how hot it gets in that helmet and warm climates and all that. But the consequences have been tragic with the number of people injured and worse. So now a motorcycle rider has invented a motorcycle helmet that cools you while you ride and does it. It's a very, very, it's one of those big fancy helmets, does so at a cost equivalent to what big expensive helmets would cost and you know that are just to try to keep you safe but this one not only keeps you safe it keeps you cool as well with its own essentially built-in air conditioner it's called mr cool this is not a spoof it's not a joke i read about mr cool in the los angeles times and the last near and dear to producer Joel's heart, on Kickstarter, there's an opportunity for you to help fund the new Pico Brew, third generation of the beer manufacturer. I don't know what you call this. It's your own um, home brewing system. Thank you. Shows how much I know about drinking. I know nothing. So this one, if you go do the Kickstarter... It's $279, and so you help fund the creation of it, and you get one if they succeed for $279. And if this works out, you have these 
uh, this process where you can make beer supposedly really easily. You're able to make uh, custom craft beers that may be from all the way across the country. You're able to make them right in your own home. Teenagers need not apply. This is for adults. And that's pretty cheap to have your own brewery. Now, all these things, a lot of them will that I talk about, the new ideas and all that, they'll fail. Others will succeed. Why do I talk about this stuff? Because how many times in your life, so many people, I know me, how many times have you said there ought to be or there should be or whatever? And then later, somebody else will bring it to market and you're like, I had that idea. You make it happen. You have an idea, you have a belief there's a need in the marketplace or a want in the marketplace. Don't sit on your rear end and wait for somebody else to do it. You're the one that can make it happen. Nikhil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. What you want to make happen is being a landlord. That's right. Thank you, Clark, for taking my call. Sure. really appreciate all your um, advice on, on air. Of course. And are you already, have you already bought a property or are you thinking of becoming one? No, I'm I already in the contract and closing in May this year. Great. So now moving on to the next question is how do I uh, do listing of this rental property? And the next one would, would be how to screen the tenants or would-be tenants. Okay, what a great question. So on the first part, you said, what was that first thing you asked about how to list it yeah so how do i market this property um or how do i put word out about the property available for the rent or listing okay so one thing you can look at is list your property on zillow because that's where that has become a dominant source for landlords renting a place out Okay. Do you know the website Zillow? Yes. Yes. They have come out of nowhere in rentals to become quite prominent. Now, there are lots of landlords that list a property for rent on Craigslist. And Craigslist, um, you know, Craigslist, because it's free and open to all, ends up being a place with a a lot of weird stuff happens there. Yeah, that was my feeling when I thought about Craigslist that probably it's not a best idea. Um, the beauty of the beauty of listing on Zillow is you're very likely to get people that are the real deal. I mean, they're real. Um, obviously, it's going to be a qualified landlord. Somebody's going there is almost with certainty going to be a real tenant. I don't think you're going to have problems. You're going to have to pay to be listed there, but I, no, you. You no, don't it's free, free to be listed on Zillow. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I checked that, and, and it seems I have not gone through far enough to list my property there, but it looks like it's a free service as of now. Wow. I'm learning something from both of you. So Zillow is the spot that I would list it. Now, as far okay. as qualifying your landlords, I mean, your tenants, potential tenants, if you go to the website landlord.com, They do a very good job with so many of the resources you need, and they'll show you how to run 
background on a prospective tenant. Okay. And one of the things is that you should have an application that your tenants fill out. And on that application, you have to have them sign for permission to have a a background check or credit check run. And the cost to you is covered in the rental application fee that you have them do. Okay. That's what my other question was, that I, can I charge them for the screening? Yeah. And you you think about you go to any traditional apartment complex, they're going to have a rental application fee, and that fee pays for the time involved in checking out a, t- a prospective tenant. You have the same rights. Okay. Now, um, one question was that I mean I I heard you talking few few days back about one of the podcasts uh, that the deposit should not be equal to one month's rent because tenant may think that it's a last month's uh, rent. Right. So. What should be the comfortable? It should be ten percent more than, or twenty percent more than the, the monthly. A lot of rent. people do monthly rent plus ten percent. Okay. But the security deposit needs to be based on the credit risk profile of the person you're going to rent to. You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with you renting to somebody who has had a problem with credit. But in a case like that, the way you cover some of your risk is by charging a higher security deposit. That's what the security deposit is for, is to protect you from the unexpected. Keith is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Keith. Hello, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Keith, you want to do something right and save money at the same time. Let's see if I can help you. Okay, uh, Clark, all my life I went out and bought the first thing that I seen that was on sale or something in the store, but right now I need a, a computer printer, and the last time I bought one, uh, it was cheap on sale, but uh, when I needed to refill the cartridges, they were out of sight, and uh, I, I need some good advice on uh, what is the best printer that I can purchase for the money, and at the same time be cost-effective when it comes to refilling the cartridges. What a great question. It's funny. I'm looking at the most recent Consumer Reports study of printers, and when you look at the cost of printing per page, like here's one that's a Canon that's $0.10 a page for printing. Then there's another Canon that's $0.01 a page for printing. Hewlett-Packard, $0.01 a page. Others from Hewlett-Packard that are like $0.07 a page. Seven more than that. So the cost per page is the key when you buy any printer because pretty much all of them print a great quality print now. I I don't ever hear anybody say, wow, that printer I got, nobody can even read those pages. Every one of them prints a beautiful page. Well, That's the main thing I was concerned about because, like I said, I mean, the the last printer I had, it printed good, but uh, like I said, it was it cost an arm and a leg when I tried to get the refill on them. So. so if you look at the big three printing companies, which are uh, Canon, Epson, and of course the giant HP, they all three have printers that'll print at a penny a page. And I'll tell you, without boring you with too much detail, I'll tell you the top rated one from Consumer Reports, it's a Consumer Reports Best Buy for the overall experience, is an HP, HP OfficeJet Pro. 
And I'll give you the exact model number because the model number makes the whole difference in what it ends up costing per page. It's the 251DW. You said 251DW? That's right. And there are others that do very well. And I think if you're not a Consumer Reports subscriber paying for one-time access to read the article online and come up with a list of printers would be great to do. Well, thanks. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I needed to know because, like I said, I mean, all the printers seem like they're good, but like I said, when it comes time to refill them, that's, that's when they get you. That is the killer is they all copied Gillette with the Gillette razor blades. Gillette changed <laughs> marketing worldwide when they conned people into selling them a razor at a loss to get them hooked on their enormously expensive blades. And so business after business has copied that model, and the printing industry did it better than, learned at Gillette's feet better than anybody else. And that's why cost per page is the only thing I ever care about. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. Hey, have you heard about that great new podcast called Fan Club? It's a short series that explores why we love what we love. In each episode, you're going to hear amazing, brilliant people across the pop culture landscape. There's musicians, artists, fashion designers, chefs, even scientists, all talking about how their work is being experienced today and how they think it'll be experienced in the future. So don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe to Fan Club now at vbyviacom.com slash fan club or wherever you listen to your podcasts. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.